to another episode of Quilt Buzz, the podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio, and I'm joined by Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Karen of Orophil. Hello. Now, before we jump into all our thread fun today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Karen? Absolutely. I live not far from you two. I live in New York, upstate New York, actually central New York, I guess some would call it, near the Finger Lakes region and uh, along Cuca Lake. And I've been here for several years. Uh, I've been quilting since about 2007 when my sister asked me to join her in a Thangles block of the month. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but um, I'm a retired programmer business analyst. So my whole career, 35 years of working in industry, um, very detailed work. What I found when I was doing the Thangles was that mm, they may be a little too nitpicky for me. <laughs> so I actually finished a few quilts um, using that method, but I quickly fell in love with applique and free motion quilting and just kind of writing tutorials and, and free patterns. And yeah, so the, from 2007 till now, I I kind of, I fired up my own little company, started teaching, um, fell in love with Orafil Thread, <laughs> and um, joined forces with Orafil about five years ago. And I'm now their master educator, uh, director of their Aura Philosophy program, and just having a ball playing with thread and quilts and people and, you know, just having fun out there in the community. So Orafil Threads as a company has been around since 1983. Um, so could you share a little bit of history about that? Absolutely. Yeah. So Orafil, the originating company and that still exists in Italy today, of course, Orafil Thread is all manufactured, produced in Italy using 100% Egyptian cotton. But in 1957, actually, the original owners created a company called Studio Origa. And the whole focus of Studio Origa was to do multi-head embroidery machine designs on high fashion and fine linen. Uh, Mr. Gagati, Elena Gagati's father, who Elena, of course, is still a, a major part of the company. Um, her father actually started Studio Origa. He was using other cotton threads, cotton thread that he was purchasing from someone in Italy. Um, so in 1983, then uh, Mr. Gagati paired with Mr. Veronelli, Alex Veronelli's father, and they decided to source their own Egyptian cotton and create their own cotton thread. So for many, many years, they were using other people's cotton. And so they developed uh, Orafil thread, the 40 weight thread that we all know and love on the green spool and um, started using it for the multi-head embroidery machines. And this is many, 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 many heads, like 20, 30 heads of embroidery machines. Uh, so they started sourcing their own Egyptian cotton and producing their own thread. But then fast forward um, about 10 years or so, Elena and Alex both graduated university, joined the family business there in Italy, and Elena fell in love with the quilting world. She was exposed to some big quilt shows. She fell in love with the quilting world, went back and spoke to her father about the fact that Orafil Thread is only coming on these huge cones and only being used by Studio Origa. 
and decided, you know, kind of talked her dad into saying, let's package our thread for quilters. They're doing amazing things. I'm in love with what they do. So they did. Um, They worked several years to repackage and, you know, um, add a few more weights. And then they introduced Aurafel to the quilting world in the year 2000. What an interesting history of a company changing and shifting and finding new markets to move into. I find that so fascinating because I was under the impression that the quilting business or even just the um, Aurafil threads were introduced to the quilting industry as early as 1983, which is what we read on mm-hmm. the website. But um, I was very surprised when you mentioned the 2000s. So mm-hmm. that's truly incredible. So threads play an integral role in retaining the appearance, the look and the life of a project. Could you walk us through the production process of Aurafil threads? I mean, how long did you say this podcast is for? <laughs> <laughs> this will be a two-parter. <laughs> well, I, I, can, I can summarize the production process in a few steps. Let's talk about the steps that are important to you and I, us as makers. Would that be helpful? There, there are 15 steps in the production process. So um, many of those steps are dealing with, well, let's just start at the beginning. Of course, the, the cotton is sourced from Egypt. It's 100% Egyptian cotton, long staple Egyptian cotton, which many threads are made from today. Um, it's interesting to note that they don't, Orophil doesn't share a lot about the spinning process, but that is a very important step, right? To spin the threads, get them to the correct weight that you need before you begin to do any of the other production process. Um, the the threads are then um, kind of combined together. So you may take a single strand, a, a spun piece of cotton, and combine it with another piece of cotton because most of Aurafil threads are two-ply. So that means you have two strands twisted together. So there's this effect called doubling where they actually put the threads together and then they twist them to the just the right number of twists per inch. Um, the reason twisting is important to you and I is because when we're working with thread, we don't want our thread over-twisting, right? We don't want it getting the little knots in it. And we certainly don't want it to come apart like maybe yarn would when we're working with yarn. And you can see the different ply in yarn. So the twisting step is very important because they get just the right twist per inch, whether you're using it on a machine or by hand. It's just perfect for for either. Um, They also go through a step called singeing. The singeing step is when they take every linear inch of the thread and pass it by a naked flame. Now, this is kind of crazy because you'd think if you pass cotton past a naked flame, it's going to start on fire. But actually, it's, it's such a it's a perf- the perfection of the process or how um, detailed it is allows the thread to pass by this naked flame and it burns off all the things that we here in America refer to as lint. Right. So this is one of the reasons why Aurafil thread has less lint is because it passes by this naked flame or gets singed. And all those little feathery, what they refer to in Italy a lot, is the feathery, uh, feathery part of the cotton gets singed off. Um, they also do a mercerization step, which adds more sheen more strength. And it basically modifies the organic composition of the thread to uh, open the thread up to be ready for the dyeing step, which comes after the mercerization. So the organic composition is changed and the thread is sort of opened up. The cotton is opened up and ready to take the dye. The the dyeing happens in these huge wardrobes where the thread hangs on skeins that are anywhere from 24 to 26 or 30 inches long. 
before they got on the skeins, though, they were actually held in these giant cones, a, a kilo of thread on a giant cone that we would all love to have in our studios, right? <laughs> a lot of thread. Um, so we go from cones to the skeins. We get dyed, um, mercerized, dried, uh, and then spun back onto the big giant cones again before they go through the winding process that puts them on the spools that we find in the quilt shops. Um, they're also labeled and wrapped and boxed and all those other fun things. So I think the most important steps are the dyeing, of course, the mercerization, the singeing, those steps that make the thread have less lint, more sheen, and all those beautiful colors available to us. And as you've become more and more familiar and learned the in-depth steps of the um, of the the fifteen steps of the process. Mm -hmm. What surprised you the most? Well, actually, that's kind of funny was it the flame? You, yeah, <laughs> no, well, yeah, I guess at first the flame. It, you know, the flame would surprise anyone, but it's it's interesting because I I so you know fortunate to work with um, so many skilled folks in Italy and in the United States that are Orifil employees, and they just know so much about the process. And I just learned this year, which is crazy because I've been doing this for a few years now, but that the cotton is actually handpicked in Egypt. It's handpicked so that they know that they're only getting the, you know, the ripe bowls, um, from the cotton plants. So I was really, I was kind of amazed by that, that it's all handpicked. That's a lot of cotton. Yep, cyanpic. That is very interesting. <laughs> I'm I'm just like mind blown because obviously, you know, we we use thread all the time in our work and then we just don't even think about all those steps that right. go into actually producing the thread. Um mm -hmm. Have you actually seen that process unfold in person? And have you been to the global headquarters yeah. in Italy? Oh, I, I, it's it's on my bucket list, believe me. But I haven't actually visited in person. But I live vicariously through all the other employees and the folks that are there. I've you know met everyone in a lot of times. The uh, Italian folks uh, come to America, so I'm fortunate to meet them in Chicago and work with them directly. Um, but I've watch the production process through videos. Um, and there's actually for um, your followers, there's a great little video on the Orafil website called Made in Italy. So if you go to the actually to the Orafil YouTube uh, location, you can see the Made in Italy is one of their featured videos out there. And it's a fun little video. It's very brief. It doesn't go through all the production steps, but it does give you a little bit of insight to um, how the some of the processing that's done in the facility in Italy. We are definitely adding that to the show notes <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to watching that. I, yeah. I think I'll be really distracted on the uh, YouTube channel there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's so much fun to watch it and, and it's fun to learn um, and actually talk to some of the individuals that are doing the work. It's, it's, it's really a neat process. Have they had a lot of like employees have stayed through for many years and do they also pass it down through their children as well? They do have a lot of employees that have been there for many, many years. And it's almost like family, right? They treat everyone like family there because Orifil is actually one of the very few thread companies that control oversee the process of the thread manufacturing from beginning to end. There's, you know, many companies that outsource different components of 
the thread manufacturing, but Orafil's family-owned business run does everything from the time that they receive the cotton from Egypt um, till the time that it goes out the door to America or to whatever country it's being shipped to. Everything is under um, under control of the Orafil the Orafil family. So the employees are treated like family as well, and they're so good. Some of the videos they're just so good at what they do. Um, there's a step that I kind of skipped. I didn't tell you about that's fun where when the thread comes off those huge kilo cones, they're huge cones, they're one kilo and they go to the skeins before their mercers putting in the wardrobes for mercerization. Um, they go from one kilo cone to two, to two half kilo skeins. So there's two skeins per cone. So those skeins then make it through the production process. And before they go back to the cones, they have to tie the two skeins back together to be put back on the one kilo cone. So there's video uh, clips of this one individual that does the tying by hand. And I'm always amazed to watch this because if you've ever seen a knot in your Orafil thread, it, you're kind of probably a special person <laughs> because oftentimes you don't see the knots. I've I, only seen a handful of, I've only met a handful of individuals that have found the knot, but the person that does the tying is so fast at it. And, and we, we can't even see how quickly that their hands move and tie these little knots with these tiny little, you know, an eighth of an inch or tails. And we never even know that they're there, but yes, family, it's a family, it's all family oriented. I got off track. I'm sorry. <laughs> As it goes. I'm just so fascinated about this whole process. I feel like finding that knot sounds like you finding the wishbone in yes. like a chicken or something. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier that you're a master educator and program coordinator for Aura Philosophy at Orafil. Can you kind of walk us through what the Aura Philosophy program is and what your role as master educator entails? Absolutely. So Aura Philosophy is Orafil's thread education program. Um, they started it back in 2019, maybe late 2018, started developing the program. And um, and that's when I started my my, my tight relationship with Orafil as master educator and Aura Philosophy program director. Um, but it came about because Orafil is so education centric. Um what, what they've found over the years is that many people don't understand what to do with different weights of thread, how to apply them, how to use them, whether they have to have a different needle, a different bobbin. So Aura Philosophy basically takes all of this educational content, folds it into a presentation of about 60 some very professionally done slides, and shares that content with folks from across the globe. So there's 34 certified aura philosophers that I play, uh, you know, that I play with, I guess, all the time is what I want to say. We all play together, uh, but I'm the program director. So we, we get together, we learn about all the different thread weights. Many of the educators are already makers and educators. What they do, though, is they work with shops, with guilds, at large shows like International Quilt Festival, um, Quilt Con, um, any of the big British quilt festival, any of the any big quilt festival, and they go and teach or offer the Aura Philosophy program. Um, we there's a like I mentioned a slideshow, and in the slideshow we talk a little bit about the history, a little bit about production process. We also show for every weight of thread, the various techniques that that weight of thread is perfect for. We talk about how you should change your needle size based on the thickness of your thread. We talk about the difference in plies of thread, 
how thread is weighted. But the best part, the best part that I think that I love the most is that because we've worked with all these aura philosophers for the, the last five years, we've accumulated content images of the techniques that they've perfected. Every different person has perfected and we've integrated it into the slideshow so that you're not looking at just uh, one person's content, one person's trunk show. You're looking at multiple different people, um, input from all of the aura philosophers and all the different ways they use the thread. So when we are done presenting the program, the feedback we get from those that attended is like, I never knew what I didn't know about thread. Like I never knew, I didn't know, I never knew I didn't know that. So I've learned so much about thread. Um, and we, we, um, I think we all as, as a community, we sometimes take thread for granted, right? Uh, so we get phenomenal feedback from guilds, from shops, um, from members around the world. And it's, it's just so much fun to present our philosophy and just see kind of the, your, everybody's like eyes light up. You can see the light bulb coming on. You can, people say, I can't wait to get home. I want to try this. I want to try that. And it's just a lot of fun to share the program with everyone. So based on your experience educating people about thread and what are the general misconceptions when it comes to quilting and threads and what did you, what do you <laughs> wish that, you know, people knew about it? Yeah, I think one of the things we've learned is that uh, weight is thread weights are really kind of um, unknown. You know, they people don't know uh, how to use the different weights. So, you know, when the thread is spun in Egypt, it's a single ply. And then when Aurafil uses the thread, they basically put two plies together and they twist two plies. So most Aurafil thread is two ply. This is something that I think a misconception that exists out there uh, where um, folks don't understand that the weight, let's talk about 50 weight. The thread is measured at the single strand. An Aurafil 50 weight is two strands or two ply, but many of the other 50 weight threads on the market are actually three ply or three strands. So you can have two 50 weight spools of two different manufacturers in your hands and one thread is thicker than the other, even though they both say 50 weight. So I think one um, great you know, kind of a misconception that's out there is that 50 weight is 50 weight across the board, <laughs> that it's going to be the same thicknesses regardless of what brand you purchase. But that's absolutely, you know, not true because you also have to look not only at the weight of the strand, but how many ply are twisted together to prepare your thread. So and it's one of the reasons why the Aurafil 50 weight two ply thread presses flatter, your seams are flat and crisp, um, and there's so much more of it on your spool than there is of a three-ply thread. So it's it's interesting that people don't, they maybe have never learned that there could be different plies on their, on their spool of thread. Speaking of 50 weight, what would you recommend, like, or to reframe, like, what threads do you think everyone should be having in their collection? Like, if someone was starting out with a brand new, just getting into quilting, what thread do you think that they should have in their collection to start? Yeah, 50 weight, definitely. The orange spool is a great way for any beginner quilter to to start. Um, and because it's um, it's it can be used for so many different things. So if you start with Aurafil 50 weight on the orange spool, um, you can piece with it. You can foundation paper piece with it. You can English paper piece with it. You can use it for machine quilting. You can top stitch with it. Um, there's so many things. You can blanket stitch or machine applique with it. So it's a, 
awesome general purpose thread to have in your kit. Um, as your skill grows and you kind of become more and more in love with quilting and you start doing different techniques, you'll be a little more picky about your thread choices and you may decide, oh, I'd rather have something a little more fine or a little thinner to do, say, hand applique with. So you may choose to purchase a Rafael 80 weight, which is the finest weight thread that they make today. Um, and remember, the higher the number, the finer or the thinner the weight is. So 80 weight is thinner than 50 weight. Um, and if you decide you love machine quilting <laughs> and you want your thread to take like center stage, then you may decide to get a heavier weight thread, for example, like Orifil 28 weight thread, which comes on a gray spool. So, But for sure, you want to start out with Orifil 50 weight thread on that orange spool. So you mentioned that, you know, gathering, getting to work with all the different aura philosophers, you know, you get to see all these different examples of quilting and thread being used. And have you noticed any changes in how people use thread in quilting or any different trends within the quilting world that you're particularly excited about? We um, have noticed in the last several years, this trend toward almost combining a slow stitching mode or a hand quilting mode with machine work as well, which is really fun to watch because what, what, what we're seeing is almost a, a meld between tradition, traditional and modern quilting. What we're, what we're seeing is where folks take, maybe they'll um, do some hand embroidery on a block, but then they'll integrate it into a quilt that's machine pieced. Or vice versa, maybe they're hand piecing, but they're using machine embroidery to prepare a block and then piece it together with something else. So there's a lot of this melding of technique. There's no barriers anymore. There's this wide open, uh, wide open uh, opportunity to choose what you love to do the best and sort of still integrate it into a quilt. So we've noticed a lot of that, um, a lot of uh, beginner quilters going to cross-stitching or hand embroidery um, and using a lot of the heavier weight threads for that. We see a lot of the Orifil 12 weight thread, which is the heaviest thread that they make today, um, being used for hand embroidery. Um, but then still integrating that work into a machine pieced or a machine finished uh, product. So it's really fun to watch that happen. The other thing um, that's happening in the industry, which I really wanted to mention because um, my love for thread really comes from free motion quilting. I love to stitch the layers together. In my case, I love to do it with a machine. Um, a home machine or a long arm. It doesn't really matter, a sit-down machine. But one of the things that I've noticed, particularly over the last few years, is that, and maybe you too have also, a lot of the fabric companies are now coming out with panels, which um, in the back in the day, they were called cheater claws, right? <laughs> I think they were called cheater claws because people felt that if you mimicked a quilt block in a piece of fabric that you didn't actually do the work, right? And it wasn't fair that you could get away with this. But what we're seeing more and more of every year is that um, all the fabric designers are creating panels out of their, you know, they're taking their designs and turning them into panels so that um, folks in the community can integrate the panel into a quilt. Um, and that's exciting because when I see a panel of any type, I'm always looking that 
the ways that you can quilt the panel, right? How do you accent the panel? How do you throw thread on it to make it become alive? And But Tula Pink is doing it. Mode is doing it. All these different fabric companies are adding panels into their collection. And that's fun because the panels need a lot of thread <laughs> to get quilted. <laughs> it is a lot of fun to watch. So looking towards the future, what are some predictions that you have for uh, thread and quilting? <laughs> Oh, that's a tough one because our world is so wide open, right? Um, I think we're still going to continue to see a, a trend of, of panels, which I think I, I think this is a great way to sell fabric. It's a great way to present designs. It's less work for the quilter that maybe just wants to play. Um, but also the, the slow stitching movement, the hand movement, um, um, and of course, the modern the modern quilting is just amazing. I, I love to watch it come about. I consider myself more of a traditional quilter, but it's so fun to see how everyone else looks at the world and, and kind of dissects their designs into these beautiful creations. So I, I, I think more and more modern movement, more and more integrating handwork into your creations. Um yeah, just more and more of the younger generation being involved as well, which is exciting as well. In addition to your work with Aurafil, you also run, you mentioned that you have your own small business, uh, which is called Redbird Quilt Co., which you, where you teach workshops, write, and you even have a YouTube channel. What are some fun projects on the horizon that you're able to share with our listeners uh, today? Ooh, so many things always on the horizon. Um, Redbird Quilt Co. really came out of my love of free motion quilting, applique work, um, both hand applique and wool applique by hand. Uh, so it, it's interesting that Redbird Quilt Co. kind of merged so well with Aurafil because I love thread. I love using different weights of thread to augment and enhance my projects that I was making for Redbird Quilt Co. And I love to teach about those things. I have this oh, new little program that I call Creative Chaos, where we take all the different weights of thread and we kind of throw them all together on just a small fat quarter creation with a lot of little accents. And it's just so fun to put it together. I've worked with, a, with it at a few guilds recently and Creative Chaos allows you to put your twist on how to use the thread and how to apply it with the fabrics you love. So that's a lot of fun. But back to the Aurafil side of things, 2023 has brought me, I'm honored to be the hostess for the Aurafil subscription program. So really my 2023 is all about my Aurafil projects. Um, some of the projects that I'm doing for Aurafil this year are working with their 40 weight three ply thread. Um, that's their traditional or their original 40 weight on the green spool but with one more ply folded into it for strength. It only comes on a cone. It's intended to be used on long arms or uh, sit down long arm machines. So I'm doing a fun project for them for the November subscription that I'm, I'm having a blast with preparing for all the subscribers. So that's going to be great. That's going to be a, 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 a great um, share when November comes along. And yeah, I'm kind of traveling all over with Aurafil a lot this year um, to quilt festival and market. And yeah, it's, it's fun to get out there and just share the things that I love. A few quilt shops. It's, it's great. Always new projects coming along though. Uh, when I have time. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, it is time to move on to our rapid fire quilty questions. Are you ready, Karen? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. Wendy, why don't you take us away? All right. So um, what is your favorite time of day to sew? 
Hmm. My favorite time of day period is morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yes, I love to sew in the morning. Generally though, I'm working in the morning and then I save my sewing till after dinner. And then I can just kind of work really late if I want to. So what best describes your sewing speed, lead pedal or slow and steady? Uh, I'd say slow to medium, I would say, for my sewing speed. And what's your favorite thread weight? Oh, that's a tough question. But um, <laughs> 28 weight, I have to say, if you've not tried 28 weight, I'm the gray spool. It's definitely my favorite because, again, my focus being free motion quilting, and I love the thread mm. to show up beautifully and kind of take center stage. So uh, 28 weight is my go-to weight for that. <laughs> and what sewing notion couldn't you live without? The Hera marker. I'd say the Hera marker. If you're not familiar with the Hera marker, it's um, one of the companies that makes it is Clover. And it's basically a piece of acrylic that allows you to score the fabric. So you can mark your fabric with a Hera marker and not have to put any chemicals or worry about getting it off of your fabric. So I use it a lot for reference marks or guides for quilting. And what's your favorite part of the quilt making process? I bet you can guess that. Free motion quilting? Free motion quilting. It is definitely my thing. Yes, I love to free motion quilt. And what is your least favorite part of the quilt making process? It's funny because I learned this very early on that that piecing <laughs> was just not my thing. Um, it's funny though, in the, I know this is supposed to be quick, but in the last few years I've discovered foundation paper piecing and that, mm -hmm. has, that has kind of fit in with my programmer brain uh, much better than traditional piecing did. So yeah, I'd have to say the worst is asking me to do half score triangles um, is not fun. Like traditional <laughs> piecing. <laughs> and do you have any other interests or hobbies outside of your uh, studio? Absolutely, yes. Um, I love uh, outdoors. I love to be outdoors. Uh, we do a lot of swimming, boating, uh, skiing. Um, I'm a huge uh, bird watcher. I love to watch birds, listen to birds. And of course, then I also have a very large family. So family is really important to me. Our children and our grandchildren, um, kind of keeping in touch with them, following their endeavors. So yeah, those are the things that I do when I'm not sewing, um, which are a lot of fun. And before we wrap today up, we've got just one more question for you. And that is, who are three accounts you think everyone should be following and why? Oh, that's a really tough one. Um, I, I think that, I think that probably the best thing to do when you're a quilter is to grab a couple of hashtags that are important to you, find out what interests you, grab those hashtags and go out and do some searching online on socials, on Insta or Facebook, wherever you are, and just find the folks that inspire you. Some of the folks that inspire me personally are like Bisa Butler, uh, Luke Haynes, um, Allie Kay from Omoda Designer. So I personally have those folks that I love to go watch. I like to see what they're up to, what they're doing. Uh, but I think everybody is different. Everybody has a different style. So make sure you take advantage of all those amazing things on social media where you can search for the things that you love and find the people that inspire you. I think it's really important to do that. So on that note, it is time to wrap up and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can most easily be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadcloth Studio, Wendy. I'm at the.weekendquilter. And Karen. 
Aurafil is at Aurafil Thread. Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website quiltbuzzpodcast.com for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's show, we hope that you subscribe to the podcast and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, it would make our day. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 Bye.